Welcome in, special edition of the Jeff Cameron Show, exclusively on War Chant TV. Happy Redemption Thursday, everybody. If you are normally a listener on the radio, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, I know I feel your bitter disappointment. Their decision to carry SEC basketball is unfathomable. But that's the decision they made. We didn't want to uh, deprive you of content we had a lot that we took in yesterday, did Tom and myself, at uh, the football practice that was indeed fully padded. So now you get down to it. Now you find out what's what. Because everybody looks pretty good in shorts and T-shirts running around. But now we start hitting some people, and that'll change your demeanor in a hurry. Uh, it'll also let you know which guys have put in the time and gotten bigger and stronger and the like. And so uh, we have plenty of observations on that. I do want to note here right from the top, the way we'll do this, go about 15, 20 minutes here, take a quick little respite. When we come back, I'll be able to talk a little bit about what makes it all possible with one of our sponsors, a couple of our sponsors. Do want to make sure they get their just due. But also, if you guys want in these chats uh, here, we can see it. So if you have questions today, it's just a, a kind of a, a different edition of the Jeff Cameron Show, more of uh, exclusively for our War Chant audience. So like and subscribe, share, do all that good stuff. We'll be with you for a little over an hour, I think, probably. I think Tom and I are both in a a mood to talk. So if you've got some questions, as usual, line them up there in the chat and we'll try to get to them. And we appreciate you guys watching, all 15 of you. Oh, well, those numbers will multiply rapidly (laughs) in the seconds to come. Look at that. We're at 20. (laughs) <laughs> no, I know. I know. That's good. Uh, welcome everybody in. I don't know where everybody's watching, but I know uh, wherever it is in the state of Florida, most likely, if you're not in the panhandle, then you've got better weather than we do. Gloomy out here, but uh, but but that's all all the better to sit down and have a cup of coffee in my lightning cup there, Tom, and uh, and enjoy uh, enjoy football conversation, Florida State and the like, right? Yeah, well, uh, it's pretty cool that last night we were in the IPF for the entirety of practice because of the weather concerns, and it ended up being a decent night. They could have, I suppose, practiced outside, but we don't usually get the access um, in this post-COVID era to be next to the trenches as you're watching these types of drills being run. And that was you know, a wrinkle that maybe we'll get again tomorrow because the weather looks shaky again, and I know I'll be out there uh, mm-hmm. as you're making your way up to uh, the mountains one step at a time. Um <laughs> But, you know, it, it wasn't lost on me that we had a chance yesterday that was kind of special, uh, even though it was the first day in pads and there's a long way to go for everybody to get up close and personal to hear the instruction because typically we're over at Hauser Stadium. And so you can kind of hear sometimes uh, what's going on and what's being communicated. You can certainly see who's playing well, but to have that up close and personal feel last night gave us a great perspective on, you know, all the things that are going on with the program right now. Carol writes, uh, so what players stood out in the first practice in pads? Uh, I, I think any time, Carol, that you get into pads, you want to start looking at offensive and defensive linemen before anything else. Uh, skill position players like wide receivers, like defensive backs, can look good and look similar to what they're going to look like when they put the pads on. I mean, there are some things that change. But in terms of skill set that translates on game day, your defensive backs and your off and your wide receivers and such that 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 plays no matter what. It's the offensive and defensive linemen that you really get to get down and dirty with once the pads come on because we talk about who plays at a good pad level, how low, how aggressive, how explosive, how strong. Uh, and I thought, you know, I'm going to start here, Tom. Uh, I think we tend to want to look at this offensive line immediately, but right when we started getting after it yesterday. 
Uh, I went down and, and, and watched intently with Odell Higgins and his group and this def defensive line, which I'm pretty excited about. I'm especially excited by what they have, Carol, in the interior. You know, something to note here, when they got Big Coop to come back, Robert Cooper said he was coming back. I think that's a huge deal because he really does anchor this defensive line in a way uh, that allows you to expand from. So you've got a guy that you know, if you play him in the neighborhood of 45 to 50 snaps in a game, that if you can tell him, go big, man, go hard in these snaps. And I'm going to tell you right now, that guy has come into camp understanding that this is a money year understanding that this is an opportunity to try to obviously go on and play at the next level. And he plays so low and he's so explosive and so strong. And he came out the box yesterday, really, really nasty. Uh, this is a guy that I don't believe Caden Lyles or anybody is going to block uh, when he gives one of those kinds of reps, Tom, where he decides it's, it's everything I got in me. Now, you can't do that on every play if you're in there for extended minutes. I mean, you can go hard, obviously, but I'm talking about the level of, of, of get-off and quickness and explosive power with his hands, pad level low. Coop's going to help this team a lot. Now, everybody knows him, and you know you want to hear about the new guys, but I want to start with a veteran. And I also want to talk about how Odell Higgins, and, I, and this, this made me smile because I've been watching this guy for a very long time. Uh, I have been covering Florida State and been at these football practices since 1998. This is a guy that I think in recent years people wondered whether or not Florida State was going to need to start really looking around uh, at their next defensive line coach, right? Because he's a little long in the tooth, and he's done it at a high level for a very long time, and it would only be natural if at some point with all of the changes that have occurred at Florida State that he might want to move on. And so maybe that you know, that feeling eventually would become mutual where you start to protect yourself in the future. But I'll tell you what, he was getting after it yesterday. He seemed uh, infused with life and energy and excitement about having this group uh, and teaching. Um, and he and he coaches hard. He coaches very hard. And those guys receive that coaching. Those guys are ready for that. And, you know, he does it whether you're a rookie, whether you're a new kid in here, a freshman, a transfer, or if you're a vet. He's making sure technically you're sound. He's making sure that you're 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 meeting the requisite uh, intensity. Uh, so that stood out right off the bat. And then from there, I'll extrapolate. the The interior of that line is deep. So that Malcolm Ray has come on. You guys saw that at the end of last year. I think that's a guy that you can really trust to play well this year. I think they're stout in the middle. Farmer is a guy that you heard about right from the beginning. Norvell referenced him at his luncheon at the press conference we went to with all the added weight. And I'm here to tell you that one of the things that stands out about him is that Joshua's weight is not bad weight. Now, he'll probably drop 10 pounds from the 300 that he got up to. I think he'll probably shed that. He knows that. Camp will do that for you both now and in the fall but he's explosive. He's also playing like a guy who would like to leave. You know, he's a three-year and I'm out of here kind of guy. He played with the requisite intensity as well and explosiveness. So I think Florida State's got a lot of solid players in the middle, both with experience and youth. I think that's where this team starts, and that's where they have a chance to be pretty damn good right from the jump. And yesterday's first padded practice revealed that as well. Yeah, what I'd say, you know, to circle back and, you know, take the 10,000 foot view when you have acclimation days 
and and you're trying to spend as much time as possible learning as much as possible, you're not going to watch the trenches. I mean, you know, we were wondering yesterday, Mike Norvell had said it was going to be a padded practice, but was it shells or was it full pads? Well, it's full pads, but that's the day that you go take a look at the trenches like you're talking about. And the defense typically, to use a cliche, is ahead of the offense early in a camp, and it did look that way yesterday. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but Malcolm Ray would have been the first name that I listed. Malcolm Ray, um, it didn't matter who. It didn't matter if it was a, a first string. We're not allowed to divulge those types of things, who's you know working with the ones or the twos. But it didn't matter who Malcolm Ray was going against, and it didn't matter the drill that he was participating in. Some of them are individuals. Some of them are full offensive and defensive line. Some of them are you know kind of a combination of the two where they all snap. It's four on five, but then only one person continues and, and fights through to the whistle. Malcolm Ray was awesome yesterday. And so mm -hmm. when you want Robert Cooper or Fabian Lovett to give you max effort on 40 reps a game, you can only do that if you have guys behind him. And another player who was mentioned yesterday who caught my eye was number 95, Daniel Lyons. Daniel Lyons was praised by Mike Norvell after the day was over. And I, I was wondering if his name was going to come up either through questions or through a mention. It made sense to me because uh, Odell Hagens will yell at you if you do it wrong as you're talking about. And if you're doing it right, he'll praise you. And there was a lot of praise yesterday for Daniel Lyons and, and the reps he was getting. It's not just the defensive line show. Some of the offensive linemen look good too. Dan, uh, Dylan Gibbons is as fresh as can be, fresh as a daisy. He wins a lot of reps. Um, there are some other guys that are working here and there at different positions that we can't necessarily talk about. Maybe one we hinted at last Friday. Um, but you know, the defensive line yesterday, I think mostly won the day. But one other name that I'll bring up because I was – looking at uh, tight end groups and, and you can find the write-up on warchant.com where Corey gives his observations. And I've got a trench note thing at the bottom. Um, but Brian Courtney, who is a convert, he was playing both ways uh, at his previous stop, but he's playing quarterback on offense. That dude is not just straight ahead fast. He's also got quicks in the agility drills with the cone drills. He's for my money, at least yesterday, already the second fastest player in the segment group of the three back or the tight end or whatever you want to call it in Mike Norvell's offense, he was the second fastest at getting through cone drills. So that tells me he's got straight ahead speed. He's also somebody who can change direction very quickly. That's going to play. Now, I don't know how soon because he's not big enough to block yet. He needs to get into the body by storms program to be able to hold his own when it comes to blocking on the line. But if you put him in situations where he's got a smaller linebacker or a safety to block, and then you can run pass plays off of that, Brian Courtney might be a, a problem in the near term. So it's pretty cool to see another freshman who wasn't heralded uh, showing out so early. Yeah, it would be nice to see the tight end room get that infusion of uh, talent and life. Uh, it's been a, a pretty dormant place. You know, you look at Cam McDonald, who's an okay college football player. He looks like an NFL football player. Yet again this year, he looks the part. I hope he has a huge year. I like that kid. He's a good program kid. Um, but behind him, Jackson West. Uh, again, continues to emerge a little bit there. And then you're right about Brian Courtney. Uh, the rest of that room is garbage. Uh, but but I would tell you that those three right off the bat, um, are that you don't need much more than that. So I'd be fine with it. Uh, I would also say that Tata Bethune's a kid at linebacker that we should talk about a little bit. His instincts are exactly what you would think they'd be given how many tackles he's accumulated in his career. Uh, that linebacker room is where it's evident that there will be fierce competition. And you see that show up with Amari Gaynor. I think Gaynor is a kid that recognizes now that he's got to fight for playing time, Tom. 
I mean, if you look at what the what Deloach did last year, which was really come on and become a legitimately good linebacker, not a guy who could just cover but was a detriment against the run, but a guy who played the run well last year compared to what we thought certainly he would do. And then you saw you, in the offseason they bring in Bethune, who's kind of an everything linebacker. And Mike Rovell is right, by the way. His body type does not belie the actual metrics. I mean, you look at his measurements and you go, really? He's that big? He's that strong? He's that fast? Okay. Uh, because you don't really recognize it. But that's to say he's very fluid in his body. And then obviously, Lundy has slimmed down some. Um, he's going to continue to get reps. So there's a fight in that linebacker room. and competition is really the theme of spring practice right now with all the newcomers and the influx of players that I think have a chance to get on the field this season. I think it's important that we really document this competition. You're going to hear a lot on a daily basis about the secondary because they have an overabundance of bodies and players that are competing. And I don't mean it like in the Jimbo Fisher sense of another body. Like they've got a lot of good players in that secondary. If you think about the second half of last season where they're, where they played so much better, it really was the tale of two seasons. Uh, it wrapped in one last year, that first half of the season, a bunch of guys completely lost in some cases out of position, unsure of what was being asked of them. It, it really uh, compelled us to ask the question, was there a communication issue with our defensive coordinator and our defensive assistants because these guys were so lost? Second half of the season, they whittled down the group that was playing. They streamlined the roles, and guys were pretty much where they were supposed to be. Now, you're going to get beat because the other guys are on scholarship too, and you're not always going to have the best players on the field. But you can live with that so long as guys are assignment sound. And that group was pretty small last year. This year, you have an influx of talent, size, speed. I think a, a natural instinct at the position for a couple of guys, by the way, including Zaria Thomas, who uh, we're both very impressed with already. Uh, I would say the same about Sam McCall, who I think we're both very impressed with already and had a great day at camp yesterday. And by the way, he plays football with an awful lot of enthusiasm. They've got options back there in the secondary. They're going to be all right. I know we've said that for several years. I think that competition's intense, and I think it probably brings about a group that you can trust a lot more. They'll take that step forward. But linebackers have been lacking for so long. So just the influx of Bethune and the emergence of Deloach last year I think means that you've got guys fighting for reps, fighting for – uh, snaps because and Amari Gaynor looks like right now he recognizes that if he doesn't play hard, if he doesn't play smart, if he doesn't play intense, if he doesn't play focused, then he's the guy that's going to lose reps. And he played hard yesterday. He plays with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder right now. It's certainly interesting to note. Um, I think, again, that um, that's a room that will get better. Now, they're not as deep as I'd like them to be, and we'll see if they add anybody going into the fall. Um, but that's another group that uh, looks better right now. Yeah, Tatum Bethune stood out early, and Mike Morvell said yesterday in his presser that, you know, he carries the weight better than you think. Like, he's actually a bigger guy than you think because it, there are some people that wear it well, and and that's right. Tatum Bethune, to me, looks like a, a standard 3-4 inside linebacker just with his build. He's kind of stockier. He's not a rangy 6-4 guy, uh, but he has the instincts, and he gets from sideline to sideline quite well. So I think that's a set-it-and-forget-it starter. That's why he was brought in here. Deloach, I think, is the leader in the clubhouse for the second starting job. But then you get to Lundy and Gaynor, 
And DJ Lundy wasn't awful last year, and he certainly trimmed down trying to get faster uh, so that he'd be better in coverage and, and better to get to where he needs to go A to B this season. That'll be an interesting development to see how much of a difference that makes. But then, you know, you mentioned Amari Gaynor, who I thought tackled a lot better towards the end of the season last year. So you're talking about four different players. Usually the list stops at one or two at this position. I know that, you know, it doesn't mean that we're in a great place depth wise, but we're in a much better place depth wise. And the way we play in the secondary is physically, as a lot of these guys are getting Jamie Robinson back was huge in certain downs and distances. If you win enough that it's third and long, you don't have to have more than one of them out there. You can play an extra defensive back because there's enough size options with size out there. One of the cool plays well, you I got saw tweeners too. Um, real quick, you got to your point here. Sorry, you got tweeners there. Um, you got a couple of guys that uh, are the size of a small linebacker playing right. safety. So, like, you can they're interchangeable. Like, if Shaheem Brown can play that role, which I think he can, because I don't think he's going to be great in coverage at any point in his career. Um, and then I would note that the, you know what they did with Brendan Gant, who they wanted to get out of the defensive back room, in my opinion. But he's also a guy that can play that uh, hybrid role. So. But Sorry. even still, I mean, let's just say that Sam McCall plays in the slot because he can't, you know, lock down an outside job early in his career. That dude's rangy enough to play in the middle of the field. And, and you're right, he's got a little nastiness about him. If 20, if Thomas is one of those kids, he certainly has the size to do it. Saw a cool moment yesterday. It was one of the PBUs in the early portion of practice. So they went, they did team drills right at the beginning, which they usually do. And that's when we can take, you know, video and photos. Right. And then they do it at the end, which we can't really discuss more than maybe who won the play versus who lost the play. Uh, but, uh, I think it was Poitier that was, uh, Poitier was the target from an AJ Duffy throw. It was a good throw down the left sideline and Travis J communicated from the safety position or slot position, wherever he was ball, ball, ball. And that's what turned twenties head around quickly because that dude, all he needs is a little bit of a heads up and he's got the quicks to make a play, but it was a good team effort and teamwork moment where Travis J, the enigma that hopefully at some point we can find a home for him on that football field. Maybe it is in the role that you're talking about, kind of an enforcer size, replace a linebacker on a third and obvious. I'm not sure, but you see that guy communicating to a freshman, the freshman making the play, and then both run off the field with a lot of enthusiasm. Uh, There's a lot of tempo in this, uh, in this particular spring camp. There are a lot of bodies out there. They need to make sure the kids get reps uh, usually they're dealing with, you know, in the seventies of players, but they got 95% of their roster there, even though they only had one full football field yesterday in the IPF, I felt like everybody got a lot of reps that we can talk about. And, and Gerald, I'll answer your question. It's a very simple one. Haven't heard anything about Leonard Warner at defensive end. Is he out there? Yes. At defensive end. And he's getting a lot of reps at defensive end. The kinds of reps he's getting suggest that the coaching staff is going to give him a chance to take more in-game snaps, but we'll see. But uh, we've seen a lot of 35 out there. Leonard will be a good leader. He's a good guy, good team guy, and he's got a great body for the game. If, uh, you know, he's lacking in some areas, we all know that. But Leonard, it's, uh, I think, a plus player for your team. I don't think he's an elite player. I don't want anybody to get the idea that I think that. But it's a good thing that he's back uh, with his experience and work ethic. Uh, I think it's a good place to lead from, and he's going to play. He's definitely going to play. Um, to the pass rush, it's going to be fascinating to see what they do. For as much as I love the interior of this defensive line, and I really do, they got good players there. Um, I think Briggs has a chance to be a good player on the edge. He's explosive and powerful. Um, I don't know about well, – he's quick. I don't know about explosive in terms of get off. How about that? Um, he's strong as hell, and he's a smart football player. They're not going to be able to replace. Let me just put it this way, and you can read into this as you want. They are not, not with anybody that just came in 
and not with anybody currently on the roster. They are not going to be able to replace Jermaine Johnson and not really come close to it, Tom. It's just not going to happen. That guy was so dynamic, so strong, and it's why he's going to get drafted in the top 15 picks of the NFL draft. So, I mean, you know, you look at a guy who goes first round and says all you need to know. I mean, those guys are otherworldly good amongst a bunch of good players. There's that level, which is, you know, that's a small percentage of the of human beings on earth that get drafted in the first round. So you can't replace that. And I do not want to, I don't want anybody to think whether it's Jared Verse or anybody else on this roster, that there's somebody here that's going to give them some similar production. I don't see that. I don't see yeah. that. Do I see good players? Do I see guys that are going to help you, that are going to be uh, – they won't be a hindrance to you? Yes. I think they've got guys that can hold the edge and be a true uh, defensive end. Uh, I think they've got guys that will, on occasion, win some one-on-ones against the uh, middle-tier teams of the ACC and maybe have a shot to get to the quarterback. Do I see anybody on this roster right now at defensive end that would win battles against other first-team All-ACC tackles? No. It's hard to know. It's only one day of pads, and we'll see what the development looks like by the end of fall camp. And even the Duquesne game is almost like an extension of fall camp in August. Um, I agree with you. I mean, you're just not going – it's hard to replace a top-15 draft pick, and that's where Jermaine's trending right now. So, you know, good luck doing that. But what's difficult for me, and I think we can say this, i got to be delicate, but it's because of things Mike Norvell has said on the record. We talked about it last week. They like the versatility of Darius Washington. Darius Washington played tackle last year, but they like the versatility that he can play any position, all five positions. As Ira said multiple times, that's what Alex Atkins told Ira on the record. Okay, so what does that mean? Outside of Robert Scott, who is definitely working a tackle, and the coaches would say that, you there are a lot of experiments at another tackle position. So when I see a guy like Derek McClendon kicking ass, and he has been doing that in acclimation days, did it yesterday in full pads showing a lot of refined skills. I think he's taken some lessons from Jermaine Johnson and Keir Thomas when they were here last year. Looks like a very polished version of himself. He's extremely trim for the position. He he looks good. I don't necessarily know what I'm looking at at that mystery position with everybody that they're experimenting with because I don't know how good we are if Darius Washington is not going to be the affixed tackle. And that's what they're trying to find out themselves. But McClendon was at the top of Corey's list of um, you know standouts from the padded practice yesterday. I agree with him. He has been very, very good the last few days. Jared Verse is still getting up to speed. I think that's fair to say without going into too many details. The one thing I like about Jared Verse is he's clearly taking coaching well, and he understands leverage points. That is undeniable right now. He doesn't get out leveraged. He doesn't let uh, he doesn't let his eyes and and his feet go like a cart before the horse, where it's a Lorenzo Featherstone type play, and he's crashing down, and somebody can just exploit the backside because he lost contain. He looks like he's fundamentally sound, and he's building from the ground up. So I'm encouraged there. But Derek McClendon, if there's been a standout on the edge rushers, it's been number nine. He's been quite good through three days. It's just a matter of. I don't know who he's going against, and I so I don't know what to make of it just yet. Um, I think though, listen honestly, that when we're when we're talking about these edge guys, it, it's it's less about. And I see you, Rick. Uh, I'm not. 
I'm not downing anybody, man. You're allowed to have objective analysis of what you see out there. I didn't say the kid can't play. I said that there are guys that are not going to play to the level of Jermaine Johnson. If that's negative, then, you know, obviously you're very sensitive um, because Jermaine Johnson's a top 15 pick. And so for me to say that there's nobody out there on that roster right now that's going to play to the level of Jermaine Johnson is not critical or insane. It's just logic. Uh, but what I do do is point out to our fans who aren't always level-headed that there isn't a guy that is going to play to that level. So don't walk into the stadium expecting to see a first-round draft pick day one exploding off the edge um, because that ain't going to happen. They, they don't have that guy right now. Do they have some good players who will continue to develop? Oh, I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm not negative on that group at all. I, I think they do have some guys that I'm excited about. Um, but I, I, I think, just think that they're going to have to find other ways as well as developing those guys to get pressure on the quarterback. Because last year, you were really fortunate to be able to kind of set it and forget it with that front four. That was a luxury this team had. Um, so to me, again, uh, Rick and anybody else, I, I, I'm just talking objectively about what we're seeing with guys that, have some work to do, but at the same time are talented. And then probably other ways in which they're going to have to get pressure on the quarterback. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's fine because there are more ways uh, to get to the quarterback than to just rely on your front four. There are a lot of teams uh, have that need. I'll be curious to see how they do it. Um, we talk about improved play from linebackers, so that may allow you to kind of juggle and, and utilize some guys in different roles than you did a year ago. Um, guys that may be able to do it, but didn't have to because of that front four, because of what a great player like Jermaine offered you. You mentioned the offensive line, Tom, and I know uh, – let's come back and talk about that for a second. Um, we, you know, he's a – the offensive line is an interesting group because they're better. We know they're better, which is right off the bat. Let's just say that. Uh, at the same time, um, yeah, they, they're, they're going to test that versatility. They really want to see if other guys can – play certain roles and hey that's what springs for let's find out what somebody can do let's allow them to compete it'd be fun for us to watch that we have to be careful about how specific we get but we can talk about that in a moment here we'll take a quick break come on back here with more of the chat more of the jeff cameron show kind of special edition today thanks for joining us in the chat we'll try to answer anything that you guys want be with you back here in about a couple minutes passion drive and patience the formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply there it is a little respite uh i will say this really quickly before we get going i'll get back in the chat here and answer some questions from guys um <laughs> It's funny. It's funny to, I think, I think wording is, is always key here, man. Uh, people, and you know what I love? I, I love that people want to win and I want to <laughs> win too. And this team is more equipped uh, to, to win than they have been in each of the last two years. So maybe coming at it that way, Tom, is the way to start things out, right? Is to say that, Hey, look, 
Are they better than they were? Uh, yes. Uh, are they are they where they need to be? No. And so you're going to get all of that. It's coming at it from the standpoint that they continue to improve. I will say, just generally speaking, it's a it's a it's a better feeling to be out there right now than it was a year ago. If you think I'm negative now, boy, I tell you what, a year ago, Tom knows off the air, I was like, golly. I mean, that's the, the level of or the lack of athleticism and the lack of talent was a bit overwhelming. It was a little bit more than golly, but we'll go with golly. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna go with golly. I was just like, oh. Every day I went out there, and eh, that guy's good. You're gonna have to play him. <laughs> And that's a little bit different, you know. That's yeah, you a get to different. one more segment group and you throw your hands at this guy. Well, what the hell, you know? Yeah, no, it, it, it was tough. It was tough. Hey, I want to get back into it real quick, though. Uh, because we're doing a special edition of the Jeff Cameron show and doing it now at a, you know an 11 o'clock hour, because on the, the radio side of things, they're, they, they're covering, they, they have an obligation, contractual obligation to carry SEC basketball in the tournament. Uh, so we, we didn't want to go a day without content. Uh, especially because we were both so excited to talk about what we saw yesterday. I do need to take care of a couple of things here with our partners. Uh, my partners at ISF have been really good at the Jeff Cameron show, and I don't want to ignore them. I should mention before, again, um, what ISF does, and you've heard me talk about them. Um, again, this is a, this is a, a group that um, has worked closely with us and allows us to do the Jeff Cameron show in, in part. So here you go. ARRO, powered by ISF, is an enterprise-wide tool that provides agencies with real personnel and equipment tracking for faster reimbursement. Uh, that is a big deal if you understand that industry. From severe weather to pandemic response, agencies on the front lines work every day to keep citizens safe and protected. State and local organizations coordinate emergency responses, and reimbursement can be, well, a challenging process. And ISF comes into play right there. In a recent wildfire response, large state agency used ARRO to track personnel and equipment expenses and received $45 million in reimbursement by the end of the same fiscal year. And that is because of the expertise of my friends at ISF. To learn more about what ISF does, go to ISF.com to learn more. All right, let's circle back in here as we kind of continue to solve for the future. And that's exciting to do because... Well, obviously, there's an awful lot uh, to, uh, to to look at and talk about with this team. Uh, I want to go back through the chat here. We didn't know Jermaine Johnson was going to be a top 15 pick, but we certainly did know Jermaine Johnson didn't look like everybody else. And we said that from day one. We walked in and said, that dude right there is different. And if he plays like he looks, he has a chance to be the best player on the team. I said those exact words. It didn't take, you didn't have to be an expert to understand that he looked different and he played different in practice. That was a different animal. What I'm saying is that while guys may emerge and become very good players, even elite players before the time is up for them to go on to the NFL, there's nobody currently on the roster that is going to walk through that door and play that way from day one, not Jared verse, not anybody. They don't have that guy. Do they have a guy that can develop and maybe become a first round draft pick before they leave? Quite possibly. I'm not saying that that's not there. I just know that when we kick off and whatever happens against Duquesne, whatever, but when we kick it off against LSU and then from there, the season plays out, 
you're not going to week to week see a guy who has an impact on the game off the edge like Jermaine Johnson did. That's not a crazy statement. Jermaine Johnson's an elite player. And that doesn't mean Jared Verse or anybody else that you want to name aren't good players and will become very good players. It just means that they are not going to hit the ground running like that. Yeah, I mean, if you expect somebody to step up every year and become a top 15 pick, I mean, then we're back in the 90s or we're back in 2013 or 2014. I, if it happens, then we've gotten lucky, point blank. Because if Georgia knew what they had, they would have never let him go. Or if the rest of the country knew what Jermaine Johnson was going to be, they would have offered him the world. And we would have gotten lucky again with Jared Verse. Now, that's great. I hope it happens. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you could expect somebody to step up. But to expect somebody who hasn't played at this level, the uh, the Power 5 level, to be a top 15 pick within a game or two, it's just it's not a reasonable expectation. If it no, happens, no, it's just, awesome. I, and if you, you've hit another home run, but I mean, well, don't live like that. Don't expect that because you're setting yourself up for 99.9% of cases to be disappointed. It's not even about tempering expectations to that degree. To, to that degree. I, I hear you talking, but I'm just talking about looking at a guy and watching him play and seeing his skill set. You don't see that. You don't see him. I mean, it'd be wrong to expect it partly because that's an unreasonable expectation, but it'd also be wrong because you don't see anybody out there that looks like Jermaine Johnson, do you? I mean, who no. looks like that? That dude came in ready-made. No, I have been really impressed uh, impressed by McClendon, though. The thing that to remember is that Keir Thomas didn't suck either. And so oh, he was great. Know, when when it, it, you're four across, especially, you know, the way we play, some teams are three and they've got hybrid players and all kind of stuff, but you're four across, and the better you are across the line, the more singular matchups you're going to get for every single individual player. So Keir Thomas helped contribute to Jermaine Johnson's success as well last year, and, and you don't have him either. So yeah. that's the hard part here is you're replacing both of them. If Keir was back, then maybe I'd have more hope for instant impact from McClendon or Verse or Warner or whoever because teams would have to key on Keir, and then also it's a nightmare in the middle of that line of scrimmage. So you're, you're going to have more one-on-one -on -one matchups and opportunities off of the right tackle or at the yeah. left defensive end position. And I know we call it different things, but that's what it is. Now is not that time. This is not that year. You're going to have to prove it at both places on the edges. And I would assume they're going to be more combo efforts up the middle to stop Lovett and Cooper. So somebody's going to have to prove themselves. But once you do, the dominoes fall and it can happen very quickly. It's just, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't set my season expectations based upon that. Look at the defense as a group of 11 and say, how much better are we? at the nine other positions. And, you know, are we stagnant at defensive interior? I think we're better this year at defensive interior because you get those guys back for another year of development, and I love what I'm seeing out of Malcolm Ray and some of the other guys. So you're better there. Linebacker, are you better? Tatum Bethune, if he's healthy. Yes, that makes you better automatically. Are you better in the secondary? Yes, you are. So do those nine positions help elevate the defense as a whole? I think that's the place to focus rather than just oh. look specifically at Russian and say, this guy's Jermaine Johnson. This guy's going to be as good as Jermaine Johnson. Well, that's, that's, that's why we're talking about, I think the defense is better. They're just, they're probably not going to have the same sack total. They're probably not going to be as explosive off the edge. So you give to get, I mean, they're about more balanced across the board. They'll be better at linebacker. They're deep in the interior. The, uh, I think they'll be stout against the run up the middle for sure. Uh, without question. Um, they're going to be, they're going to be a, a better defense. It's just that they're not going to be as explosive off the edge. That's, that's mm -hmm. all we're saying. Um, and they still have guys that could emerge and have good years. Uh, in fact, I think they will because they're so good in the middle, like you just pointed out. Uh, so that I'm excited about. Uh, to answer your question, Rick, no, this is not the new time slot for me. I've been back on 1 o'clock 
to three o'clock every afternoon, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Uh, that's where we'll be. Just a special deal with the uh, conference tournaments going on. Contractually, the station that I work for, because uh, we, we serve both masters here with War Chant and, uh, and the radio station. Um, contractually they have to carry that basketball tournament. So there's just that, but we wanted to make sure we, we have some conversation about it. By the way, uh, a lot of you have asked questions about uh, the running back room. Benson is a nice addition. If he's going to look as good as he has through the first few days, I like that kid a lot. I think they do too. Um, mm -hmm. A bigger body with the fluidity and speed of some of the lighter kids in that room. That's a guy that could emerge as um, running back one. I mean, uh, RB1, I, I think he is. I think he will be if, in fact, he can endure coming off that injury, the physicality of practices and all of that in game. You know, obviously you're going to get hit. Um, but, man, at, I see why he was a take. I was a little skeptical. I, I thought, hmm, you know. Guy suffers that kind of injury. You just don't know at that position, Tom. And I kind of wondered why they went the route they did. Now I know why they loved him, why Norvell loved him early on before he ever went off to Oregon and why he circled back around. Yeah. Yeah. You know, now it's an, of course, you see him for one or two reps and you go, well, of course you take a chance on that guy. Even if it doesn't work out, you take a chance on somebody that looks like that and moves like that. And hopefully he stays healthy throughout. But again, he's been cleared. For spring practice, they're just being extra cautious and giving him the Jay Sean Corbin treatment because spring camp is not going to make or break his career here. Just get up to speed and, and know what you're looking at and know what the principles are of our offensive line and how we like to block it and the plays we run, and then you'll be fine in the fall. But I have to say, Trayshawn Ward was a man possessed yesterday. He was one of the top standouts. Oh, yeah. I was more in the trenches, but every time I looked over skill position and certain running plays that were called, Trayshawn Ward had a nice, nice day, well, and he looks like what you're talking about with Amari Gaynor, where it's now or never. Well, Trayshawn Ward is more accomplished at his position than Amari Gaynor is at linebacker at this point in both of their careers. But Trayshawn feels that push. You can see it. There is pure fury in his eyes yesterday, first day full pads, and that's good. That room is going to be elevated. I think, is it fair to say, because you were loudly banging the drum for, I am concerned about the running back room. How do you feel now? No, I love those two, and I think if Toa Feely can stay healthy, he's a nice – I mean, you, you yep. got to have enough guys to split up those carries. you got to have enough guys that can, from week to week, help out the other because guys are going to get dinged. It's just a position where that happens, and obviously you're asking um, a few different guys to carry the workload. And if you do that, you need to make sure you have enough uh, requisite depth of talent, obviously, and diversity if skill. And uh, I think they actually do. So I feel good about it. I don't think that's a, you know, you, again, we always seemingly have to qualify some things here. There are rooms around the country where amongst the elite teams that are vying for national championships um, where all three of their running backs are better than anybody we have on the roster. So, you know, I mean, that, that, that's true too. At the same time, is that, room that Florida State has, is that a detriment to the team? Is it something holding this team back? I don't think so with the skill that they have there this year. I think they're they're good. I think they're a good running back room, um, maybe above average running back room. Again, I think it all turns on this. It's funny, I mentioned Benson because he's new, and we were also kind of wondering about his health and what is he, right? Because we haven't seen him really uh, with, with the injury. I know Treshawn Ward can play. Mm -hmm. So I'm not ignoring Treshawn Ward. When he plays well in practice, I go, yep, that's who he is. 
He's a good football player. He he cares deeply. He's passionate. He works hard. He runs out every play. Um, and you're right. I think he's been inspired by the competition because I don't think, and this is the way it should be, and this is when you're operating at peak efficiency, at every position group, when you have an influx of talent and guys kind of like being the man, they don't want to give away carries just because you brought in somebody else who can do it. No, I want these carries. I want all these carries. It's good, good. You know, I hope Toa Feely wants all those carries. I hope Benson wants all those carries. And I want the three of them to duke it out while loving each other and understanding they're playing for the same program and make each other better. That's how segment groups improve. That's how teams improve. So it doesn't surprise me to see Treshawn Ward play well yesterday. He's an accomplished back already. He's only going to get better as he gets bigger and stronger. Uh, I just think that, you know, the addition of Benson is something to note because we hadn't seen him and we were worried about his health. But, boy, he looks silky smooth at that size. So he's going to add a, a bit more of a wallop. Yeah, early on, it you know, two days in shorts and then one day of pads, it's, it's hard to know for certain. But the one thing I like about Benson that I've seen so far is he has a blend of patience and burst. It looks like he knows what he's looking at in short. And, and if you're looking at this running back room before Benson was added, what do you need? Because who was when you need a yard, I need a yard, I'm going to put this guy in. Who's that guy? Was it DJ Williams? I don't know who, what the answer would have been before Benson. I think you have an answer to that now. Not that Trey Benson is limited to being a short yardage back. I'm not mm -hmm. saying that at all because his top end speed is right up there with everybody who is the best, uh, not just in the running back room, but skill position player wise at FSU. But you need somebody who can get you a yard if you're looking for one. Frankly speaking, I don't trust Toa Feely's vision in that situation. Uh, he likes to bounce outside a lot. Try, you know, that's something that he needs to clean up and improve on. But even still, I don't know that he's big enough to handle that. Um, I'll echo that with Ward. Ward's a tough runner. And one of my favorite runs last year was North Carolina. The play after he went out of bounds, he dragged like seven dudes to for get the 10 first yards. Down. North Carolina has trying problems, not just on the basketball court sometimes, but also with Mac Brown. I need somebody who can do that against a Florida or a Clemson. And if you're telling me that in third and one, third and got to have it, wherever it is on the field, less than two yards, if you've got Gibbons and Caden Lyles paving the way for somebody like a Trey Benson, I feel as good about getting that yard as I have in a long, long time here at this program. Doesn't mean that they're going to always consistently, but I feel a lot better about our chances than I did last year where we talked about it before. You're going in wildcat. You're creating all kinds of motions. You almost have to trick your way to get the yard when the world knows you need it. Benson looks like he can be an asset in that regard right away. I uh, brought something up before we went to that break before about the offensive line and never circled back to it. I'm curious. They want to find that diversity of skill set, and they want guys who can play inside and out and be able to juggle. If there's a question mark that I have in this camp that will carry over to the fall, it will be whether or not they can successfully go about that process of finding a guy. I don't know they have him on the roster. Um, I, I think – no, I could be wrong. And so let's wait and see. I mean, we're early in camp. Um, Norvell wants that. Coach Atkins is a phenomenal coach. We'll see if they are able to achieve it. Um, I don't know that they do. But I do love – you mentioned uh, – well, obviously, we're all excited about Caden Lyles – but Dylan Gibbons is in great shape, and he has commented on that. You've seen the videos we posted on warchant.com. Boy, has he gone full corporate spokesman or what? He wants to be a broadcaster when his yep. playing days are done. He's I ready for it. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I also think that that's a guy that is buttoned up to handle his business on a daily basis that you can trust. He came into camp in way better shape. Last year when we walked into camp, obviously I wanted to see who he was because we needed offensive linemen that could play. He came in from Notre Dame. Notre Dame, generally speaking, recruits way better than we do on the offensive line and churn out NFL players. So I thought even as a backup, he's probably better than what we've had in recent years. Turns out at the midway point of the season, when he really flipped the script and finally got in shape, that that was true. Um, now he played hurt even, and he still was effective. But day one, when we went out there, Tom, he looked good, man. He looked like he was hungry. He looked like a guy ready to put his best foot forward, to lead. And he did so because obviously he has had a chance to recover from that injury and get right and then put in the time in the gym. He's leaner, but still huge. Um, and I think he's going to have a big year. So that's exciting. And if you if you think about that interior with him and Caden Lyles, you have opportunities there to be really good up the gut. It's nice to see. Um, I think we'll still be, you know, anywhere from average to slightly below average at tackle. Um, I'd love, I'd love, I don't know that they're dangling out there, Tom. I mean, if they were, they've already been snatched up. I'd love for them to find a tackle somewhere out there that, mm -hmm. um, that maybe could come in in the fall. I don't know that they're going to be able to find that though. It'll be tough, but I think, you know, they're, they know what they have with 76 on the outside playing tackle and, and he can raise your floor as a tackle. They're just wondering if there's a better five out there on this roster and they can exhaust all options without stunting the development of Darius Washington playing a tackle position. He already knows how to do that. So give this offensive line and this room every last chance with every combination thinkable and see if you can find an answer. That's why Norvell said it last Friday. This is a huge camp for Lloyd Willis. It's a really big camp for Rod Orr. Well, it, it's now or never uh, this spring and fall combined. It's not like if you don't have the answer by the spring game, it's done. I mean, you still have fall camp to go. But it's a big camp for a couple of those guys. And I'll throw one in here. What you know? What you know about Bless Harris? <laughs> I've, I've liked what I've seen so far. Now, I, I look forward to him matching up against a variety of players on the defensive line. Um, and I'm sure he'll move around and, and they'll do the same thing that they've done with some of the other players. But as he develops more and we see more padded practices, he looks sturdy to me. He just, I don't know that he'll always drive somebody back into the second level but he looks sturdy enough to hold up. So maybe he's somebody, and that's 58 if you see any of the practice footage here on Warchan TV. Uh, but we'll see if transfer Bless Harris gets a little bit more run. Um, I think they might have an answer or two. It just depends on health, and it depends on how quickly a couple of these guys climb the depth chart. But we'll see. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun to watch so far. Jason, I want to address what you wrote here in the chat. He wrote, I hate to say it, I think Corbin took his foot off the gas midway through the season, like him, but the run game just left for whatever reason. Two things to say about that. At one point, he was playing hurt uh, and was trying to gut his way through it, and Maurice Smith was having to play at such a young age. Uh, his body hadn't developed. He's not big enough or strong enough. The second half of the season, he was on roller skates. Uh, you cannot run the ball if your center is getting pushed three yards into the backfield on every play. It happened a ton. So two very specific things. I don't think he let his foot off the gas. I think he was playing hurt, and our center was undersized and beat up. And so that's how that works. Um, I, I, that's a simple answer uh, to kind of vet why the run game went south. They couldn't run in the second half of the year. 
um, because the offensive line wasn't wasn't very good, and the center in particular um, was was a guy that just you know was being asked to play too soon. This is part of a revolving door of problems with the offensive line that we're hoping gets remedied this year. And that is that they don't have depth year in and year out over the last handful of seasons. And they're asking the more talented players who aren't physically ready to play, but skill are in terms of footwork, leverage, understanding the game, what they're trying to do, what they're seeing. Those guys get on the field because they at least know what they're being asked to do. They get on the field because technically they're sound. They're not physically ready to play. You do not want to continue to roll redshirt freshman offensive linemen out there and ask them to start. This is what happens when you do. They may be able to hold up for a game, two games, three games, but they're going against grown-ass men from other programs. That NC State game, and, you know, it really made it tough to watch because Corey Durden was formerly an O. They just put him right over the nose and just beat the bejesus mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. out of him and it was in, it was embarrassing now embarrassing not because the kid lacked uh intestinal fortitude or toughness but embarrassing because he physically didn't match up and was in essence being pushed into the backfield on every play and you got to get to where you're not having to play so many of those guys so young when you do that you stunt their growth and you really risk ruining their confidence so I think that at the very least, they're they're more talented and deeper than they've been, certainly in the Norvell era. Uh, that's what we're seeing in the spring, and that's what you're going to see, I think, play out in the fall, is that they're better up front uh, and that they're deeper. They have more, more options than they've ever had, and that should help some of these younger guys out. Yeah, the one thing I'd say about Maurice Smith is um... – you know, he was undersized last year. Hopefully he looks at Caden Lyles and says, oh, I've got a long way to go because he could still use some oh, size. Oh, a long, long way. Yeah. One, one concern I do have um, outside of the offensive line, and it relates to blocking, Jordan Wilson got better by the end of the year last second year. Second half of the season, yeah. Yep, second half he was pretty good. I don't know who fills that role. I know that Marquiston Douglas has the body type to fill it, but I don't know who fills that role. <laughs> um, I, I don't see it just yet. There's a lot of development time coming and maybe Chris Thompson and Alex Atkins can find a way to, to patch somebody together. That's truly a tight end or a three back uh, to help out. Or maybe they need to commit a sixth offensive lineman in those sets that they're looking for extra blocking help. Um, but I just don't know who in this offense is going to be that solution. Brian Courtney's a nice player, but he ain't blocking anybody anytime soon. He's going to be released more into rounds, and I would think be in the back lined up in the backfield. And Cam McDonald was hot and cold, but again, there are a lot of times we like to have two of those type players on the field at the same time. I, I just I don't know who that player is going to be for us, and, and that's something that they need to figure out between now and the end of fall camp. Let's uh, in the final five minutes here, answer a few questions. Um, a few people wanted to know, Carol asks about the quarterbacks. Yeah, they had a good day yesterday. They've had good yep. days every mm -hmm. day. Um, quarterbacks have looked good. You know, Jordan looks great um, and so far and, and, and has more guys to throw to. I thought um, our guy, Tate Rodemaker, had his best day. I thought he looked good throwing the football yesterday. He threw a, a dime to uh, – Portier, by the way, who had a nice yep. practice. Mm -hmm. We didn't mention him. He had a nice practice. That was good That's two now. He's had two yeah. good practices. The first one on Saturday was good, and yesterday was good as well. Yeah. There are other guys that are, but again, we can't get into the depth chart and, and who's winning or losing those battles. I mean, there's a long way to go, but he made two nice plays on two 
dimes that were thrown um, by Tate. So, you know, with Tate, it's never been a physical talent thing. Um, it's never been a situation where you've thought, oh, he can't play, meaning doesn't have the throws, you know, isn't big enough, isn't strong enough. Tate's, Tate's a very good athlete. Mm -hmm. He's a very tall kid with a nice arm down the field. Tate's a guy that just, when the lights have come on, he's gotten domed up. There's no other way to say it. Just gotten domed up. And the reason I don't spend a lot of time talking about him is because he's always had some good practices. He's always had moments where you thought, that's a good ball. He's always been a guy that you looked at and thought, oh, he, he you know looks the part. Um, but he's never done it in a situation where in a scrimmage, in the spring game, or, you know, he was asked too early to play, but when he got out on the field, same thing. It's just everything, it, it was too fast for him. I mean, it, that's, that's the only thing I can say is it seemed like it was too fast for him. And he never played with any rhythm, never seemed to, to, to have the game slow down. Who knows if it happens? I can't predict that. It may never happen. It may happen. It may have already happened. It may be that he's never been more comfortable. And if he were asked to play a game right now, he'd give us the best performance of his life. Could be, could be. You just don't know. And so I don't spend a lot of time on it because um, as long as he's not looking bad, there's nothing to report. Uh, yeah. Right now, right now, the only thing to report is A.J. Duffy is a guy that you're going to watch very closely because he's going to push for that number two role. If he practices well and begins to wrap his mind around the offense and understand it and shows a real grasp of it, He's got the tools to be the second man here. Yesterday, he, sh he showed off a, a little bit of that mobility as well, Tom. So I that's an interesting battle. Uh, Jordan's had a good camp so far. It's so early. So we'll just have to wait and see. But Jordan, Jordan looks fine. And uh, that's to answer your question. Quarterbacks look, look fine. Uh, one more thing here. Uh, Joshua Burrell. I am so intrigued by what's going to happen with him. You look at him. He's a, he looks like a tight end. I mean, he's a big dude. Those legs, he looks like a big old guy. And uh, we know he's strong. We've seen the videos, all of that. My opinion is that he, he may end up being something for this offense. I just don't know what it is. I feel like he's a tweener right now. I, I, I don't think he's elite speed on the outside, going to get open out there on the edges against your better corners. Um, and he's not quite big enough to play tight end. I just don't know what he is right now. I know he's dedicated, and I know he's a hard worker, and I know he's talented. I just don't know what he is. It's going to be intriguing to see. Well, he's not your typical 6'3 possession receiver, but if I was to categorize a potential for him, it might be possession receiver who can separate because he's just so physical. I mean, he's huge. He looks like somebody who could play almost fullback. He's um, a big dude, man. Yeah, he's he's really big, and and – you just wonder if maybe that strength translates to the ability to win a couple of battles that way by forcing separation. Maybe this league will allow it. Uh, I know the SEC would for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I want to go back real quick to quarterbacks. I think Jordan Travis looks excellent. I mean, he he looks everything about him, the way he carries himself, the way he he deals with players between reps. If something happens, he is taking an active role being a leader you know, there, there's no two ways about what his role is on this team. And I think he's embraced that. And I think there's a greater comfort level, both physically and just in his presence this spring. Does that mean he's going to be a world beater? I don't know. But I will tell you this much. When they run individual drills 
and they run seven on sevens. I'm not worried about Jordan and not really mostly the other quarterbacks either. I'm not worried about them getting the ball to the receivers. It's all about what do the receivers do when the ball is coming their way? Because there's so many receivers we're trying to parse through this long roster of options. And I think we're going to be really good this year at slot receiver. Winston Wright obviously is the most polished, so you know what you have there. Uh, Micah Pittman goes and gets the football. Pokey Wilson's had a good camp, I think, so far to this point. Ja'Kai Douglas is somebody that uh, uh, Jordan loves, clearly, and uh, he's wearing number zero um, in case you get to see any any practice footage. He's changed his number, but I think they're all set at slot. They're going to have a good player there, whoever there. it is that takes the reps. I the agree. question is, is what happens on the outsides and who takes the jobs to the outsides. But what we're trying to assess that, I'm not worried about where the ball is going and who's throwing it. They're going to do a good job, which is different. We've had to worry about quarterbacks and, and basic things like accurate throws against air. I don't have to worry about that right now. Now it's just about breaking down what receiver is having a good day each time we step out to the practice field. Um, yeah, somebody asked about Malik McClain. Uh, he's not stood out, but not in a negative way either. He just yeah. – there really hasn't been anything to report from him right now. Um, I love that kid. I, I hope he continues to work hard and get better and better. He can help your team. You know, what you want to see is – couple of these guys, um, maybe Wilson or somebody like that, emerge as a guy you can trust so that, you know, it's almost like uh, if you guys follow baseball, you know, you could have a really good if, – if, you, if you're a fan of a bad team like I am, you could have a, a really good uh, four starter, right? Third or fourth guy in your rotation. On a bad team, he's your ace. So he doesn't look real good. He doesn't, he's not a guy that matches up with other teams' aces. But if he were allowed to go somewhere where he could be what he truly is, which is a really nice three or a really nice four, then you would appreciate his skill set more. You'd love giving him the ball uh, and saying, oh, that's all right. We're going to get a good five, good six out of him today, three runs. You know, all right, I'll live with that. Well, I feel like if somebody emerges as the guy, and is a, a bona fide one. Everybody gets slotted properly, Tom. Mm -hmm, At that mm -hmm. point, you got, you know, Pokey could be the three or the four that you know he is. He's not a one. He's not. He could be a nice three and fill yep. that role great. And you'd mm -hmm. go, okay, I appreciate that. Um, you need somebody to do that because I don't think McLean's a one. He could be a nice two or a good three. But I don't think he's a one. So let's see if that happens. Fierce competition. It's going to be fun to watch. That's a group where there's a lot of bodies and a lot of guys and a lot of new faces that we're excited about. Let's see how it all plays out. It's too early for us to know that just yet. But they don't have a guy right now that I say, well, that's the one. We don't know that yet. Um, we're, we're going we're gonna to wait and see how that plays out. I'm excited about it, though. I will say that. I'm excited about it. I will, I will say this, too. Um, I think uh, – I mentioned Deuce Span, you know, in the offseason and as we start camp. He's got a long way to go to learn how to play receiver and refine his moves. His body type and straight-ahead speed is such that I hope he gets there. I hope he learns it because if he does, he's got – he can take the top off. I mean, he's, he's a different-looking dude. But I think right now he's going to have to work on footwork. He's going to have to work on some stuff. But that's to be expected because, you know, he wasn't always a receiver. So let's just see how that plays out. But he's got that different look to him. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. he's got the hands. He's got the hands to play the position. Yeah, I yeah, no, he's him, got hands. Yeah. 
on uh, Monday, Monday's practice, he made a good adjustment from one shoulder to the other and was able to bring down a pass. It wasn't tightly contested, but it was enough that it was a challenge, and you wonder if a player like that can do something along those lines. Well, Tom, He's if not- you throw the bubble to him, if you throw the bubble to him and we actually block it up and you you spring him, yep. mm-hmm. beast. Oh, yeah, well, and, and you've got options. That's the other thing about this receiving core. You've got options in special teams, too, now. Uh, they're, they're still spending a lot of drill time on special teams. I guess that's the way out of it is to keep spending into this uh, sunk cost until at some point it's not a sunk cost anymore. Um, but I think at least from the returner's perspective, uh, both punt returner and kick returner, Micah Pittman, we already know, can return punts, and he's pretty dynamic there. Uh, but Winston Wright can return kicks. Uh, I could see Deuce Span returning kicks. Okay, you've got some plus athletes yeah, there point, that e- point, e- even if you don't block it up perfectly – you've got something that you can really work with. So that would be good because it seems like we're not content with taking the ball at the 25-yard line. I'd like to have some players that can, you know, maybe get us to the 40 then if we're going to try it that often. Hey, Timmy, good. you're going to like this answer. AZ or McCall? Both. That's mm-hmm. the answer. Both. Yeah. Those dudes, we, we, we got it right. We won. We won in recruiting. Those two dudes are the truth. Yeah, McCall had a really good day yesterday. That was the first one of its kind, but it's pads, so it counts for more, right? Yeah, he was good yesterday. And then Thomas has looked good each of the three days he's been there. I mean, oh, he is, they, he is. you guys are going to get tired of me using the phrase, dudes who look the part. Yep, there you go. I mean, it takes two seconds, guys. Two seconds mm-hmm. to look at those two guys and go, boom, got it. That's all yeah. I can say. I'll share the one story again from uh, Tour of Duty about uh, Zaria Thomas. And, and Sam McCall and Hunter Washington, those three are lined up in the same agility group and whatever the, the calisthenics and aerobics and whatever they're going through. And they release back to the, the end zone. It's like they do all the stuff they got to do. It looks like a combine drill. And then you have to sprint full speed to the end zone. And it looks like 20 Thomas is jogging and he is stride for stride with McCall, who is more, you can tell he's getting after it. There is easy breezy speed and a smoothness to the way that Thomas plays, there's a little bit more of a violence to the way that McCall plays the position, but both of them play it very well. Yeah, that's going to be fun to watch how quickly they can get there because I have no question they're going to be good players. Can they be good players this year? It's a lot to ask a freshman with a loaded secondary, but we'll see. I mean, it's not impossible. It does happen. Body type-wise, yeah. And 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 you're right. Uh, AZ makes everything look easy. It's, it's yep. funny. It's just like so fluid, you know? Again, there's a lot more to it, but those two guys, I think we hit on in recruiting big time, like right off the bat, you look at them, you go, all right, thank goodness. Okay. We got some guys. Um, Hey, listen, we're going to do another one of these tomorrow. It's probably going to be early in the morning. I don't know if it's going to be live or if it's just going to be a show, but we're going to have content for you tomorrow. And we're excited to do that as well before we all take off for spring break or before I take off for spring break and many of you as well. Uh, So, uh, join us again tomorrow. We'll send out the links to let everybody know. Don't forget to like and subscribe on Warchant TV uh, and, and hit up all the new content on Warchant.com. Appreciate each and every one of you. Thanks so much for watching the video and commenting and interacting with us. Uh, it's always appreciated. And uh, be well. Have a great rest of your Thursday. Uh, I want to thank Matthew back there producing. For Tom Lang, I'm Jeff Cameron. Be good, everybody. Talk to you again tomorrow. Peace.